Aleluia! 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 Such an honor to be at Winds Conference, and the wind is blowing. Thank God for the Holy Ghost wind that's here. I give honor to the Myers and this great volunteer staff. You have to understand, people take off of work. Understand this because of BOTT. People take off of work, give of themselves. Could we give this church, volunteers, the Myers, a great hand? And I give honor to my mother tonight. She's watching. My mother is be 98 in March, and she had a serious surgery five weeks ago. But she is doing better, and she went to church Sunday, so we rejoice over that. And Gentry, what an honor it is to be able to preach with you. Just a great honor. And I thank God for that. And the preaching today by my pastor, Mike Williams, and Paul and Brother Robinette. And then last night, Gentry and I landed in Orlando and called some of Brother Chris Green. What great preaching that we have already had in this conference. Second <laughs> Timothy 2, 1, 1 and 2. And Second Timothy 2 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, According to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. This goes to Timothy. Those that didn't say to us, he said, it is to us, but notice what he said. To Timothy. My dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Timothy 2 and 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. When Brother Meyer and Brother Urshan, they were together, when they called me and asked me to participate in this, I considered it quite an honor because they wanted me to speak on legacy. And tonight, that's what I will do, being that's what they've asked me to do, I'm going to preach on leaving a legacy that lasts. Leaving a legacy that lasts. One more time, with a shout, would you help me praise the Lord? <laughs> God bless you. you. May be seated. When I uh, read this little book of Timothy, I uh, always get a lump in my throat and I get misty eyes um, because so much comes to my mind when I read what Paul wrote to Timothy. My dearly beloved son, Timothy. Uh, when studying for this message, I, I did pretty good until really this afternoon and this afternoon in my uh, hotel room, I have been an emotional wreck because I have, uh, which I don't do 
often, but I do need to do a whole lot more of. I, because of this message, had to reflect on my legacy, which I should be doing more of. But I begin to read how Paul wrote this letter to Timothy. And this is just before his execution. By the time he wrote this, he now down to a few pieces of parchment and He's got secondhand clothes, and the inventory has been dissipated. And the Roman soldiers have now taken him, this grand old champion of the faith, somewhere north of Rome, and they behead him. His last few weeks of life were confined to this miserable Mamertine prison in Rome where Nero put his greatest enemies. It was, excuse me for cursing a moment, a hellhole. And uh, I stood in that dungeon, and some of you just traveled over there in the last few weeks, and you've stood in that damp underground dungeon looking up to the hole in the ceiling, which was the only source of light that Paul had. Into this hole, the great apostle Paul was placed to wait his beheading. Rather than screaming for help and pleading for mercy, Paul decides to continue his ministry on, redeeming the time until the very moment that the axe head would split through his spinal cord. His last will and testament was written while seated on a stone bench. Maybe he had a flickering light or candle. I don't have proof of that. But I do know his writing instrument was a quill and scratching parchment to the accompaniment of the clanging chains that was hanging on his wrists and on his ankles. It is in that picture that I just painted that he writes to young Timothy in the second letter Four, six through eight. Timothy, I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. But Timothy, I fought a good fight. I, uh, I kept the faith, and I finished my course, and uh, I've, I've kept it. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the beautiful part, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And let me tell Wynn's conference, uh, Paul is saying through me, not only to me, but unto all them that love his appearing. So my dearly beloved son, be strong in grace. Be strong in Christ Jesus. And then he gives us that second letter, two and two. And the things that thou have heard among many witnesses, the same, commit that to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Notice in the last few hours that Paul is alive. Paul is concerned about the Pentecostal apostolic Christian faith when he is gone. He is concerned about leaving a legacy of apostolic labors 
and living and fighting the fight of faith and that he finishes strong. So he makes some orderly transition of knowledge and authority. He's not talking about his bank accounts now. He's not talking about lands now. Paul makes the necessary arrangements and he solemnly charges Timothy through his last will, his last testament, the man that wrote half, more than half of the New Testament, the last thing he writes is to persevere with what you have received. He must not only retain it in a original dynamic, but you must hand it on. I'm not just telling you that you got it. I know that you've got it, but I'm telling you, you can't just have it. You've got to hand it on. And I want you, Timothy, to hand it to faithful men who in turn will be able to teach others as I have taught you. We're living in a generation, of course, after you hear the preaching that we've heard here from last night to all day long today, the church is in very good hands with the generation that is right behind me. But we urgently need to grasp the message of what Paul wrote to Timothy. For some have lost their grip on what it means to what Paul wrote Timothy. You let me tell you, repentance is still part of the new birth. Water baptism in the name of Jesus is still the new birth. And the filling of the Holy Ghost evidence with speaking with other tongues is still part of the requirement of the new birth. So to those of you that are younger, to the legacy that, and the people that are following behind me, to you young Timothys, that's, I'm not nearly about a Paul, but standing in my generation's gap, may that sacred deposit of the gospel be placed in your heart. And you will determine to proclaim it and you'll be prepared to suffer for it if need be. And we'll pass it on in its pure form to the next generation should the Lord not come back to get his bride. Paul chose well in placing the future of the gospel within Timothy's care. Number one, notice what he said. He said, Timothy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that it's in you. When I think of your grandmother Lois and when I think of Eunice, I know those two ladies, so I know what they did. They got it in you. He didn't have to guess whether they got it done. He said, I know where you got it from. You got it from them. And in Acts 16, 16, where Paul first found Timothy, he took him with him. And he says in verse 2, he said, it was well reported of the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium. For over 15 years now, Timothy, 
You have been my missionary partner. Timothy, for 15 years, you have followed me. I may not have gotten out of search for truth chart. Maybe I should have, Timothy. I may not have broke down Acts 4, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. Of course, we know they're writing all of that then. But Timothy, I may not have broken all that down. But I have showed you what I believe. You can look at my legacy and know what I believe. And though you're pastoring that growing church in Ephesus, and Timothy, though you're already considered a great leader, just let yet me tell you that you got to stay strong in the faith. For the one thing that he was really still a very young man. When Paul wrote this to Timothy, most writers feel like Timothy was in his early 30s when Paul wrote this to him. I am now 73. My next birthday, of course, will be 74. And Timothy is in his mid-30s, and I got to thinking when my father and God called me home to pastor then the greater first Pentecostal church, which Mickey and I led of the Holy Ghost, finally began to call it the Pentecostal of Alexandria. When I went home in 1981 to pastor that great church, I was 31 years of age when I became pastor of POA. So Paul is saying to Timothy... Hey, don't let any man despise your youth. Our districts are great. Our general boards are great. Our great leaders, they don't despise our youth. They're behind us. But he's just saying, just in case there's anybody around, don't let them despise your youth. You don't get too young to be used of God. You don't get too young to let the gifts of the Spirit flow through you. You don't get too young to where God can't use you. Let me say to all you young people that we're full of here, age is not the issue. Training is the issue. Timothy was young, but he had more experience in these few years than most men that were scholars in that day and time because he had been 15 years with the Apostle Paul hearing him teach and preach and following him personally. We. This great wins conference. We have a mandate from God to faithfully train the legacy or the generation behind us and their children. I have a mandate to equip, mature, disciple our children and grandchildren, our young married couple classes. The next generation, if the Lord's tarries. That's why every Sunday school teacher is important. That's why every youth pastor is important. That's why every kid's pastor is important. You are empowering the next generation. To the Sunday school teacher, it's just not from the 9 to 9.45 hour. It's not just you've got them for 45 minutes. You have an obligation and you have a calling to make sure that you take what Paul had in him and you put in those young Timothy that they can have an anointing that rests upon them. You're not involved in some kind of teaching. It's like a hospital without a medical training unit. It's got a church has to have 
those that's training the next generation. So Paul had drummed the gospel into Timothy. He had beat it into Timothy. He had put it in his mind. He had put it in his heart. And without any concern that the word would be propagated through this young man's ministry, the apostle simply reminds Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. He said, Timothy, hold fast. The form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me. Timothy, in faith and, notice this, when you want to bash with it, in faith and in love, which is Christ Jesus. That good thing, which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth on the same mandate to us today. So this has been an emotional afternoon because I don't do this often and I should do it every day. But I went on a journey this afternoon. I didn't have this prepared when I got here, this part. I went on a journey this afternoon. They will tell you I started getting all this stuff sent to me. It's been an emotional afternoon study because it began in Indiana. Their name were Mangans. Uh, My grandfather was a deacon in the Puritan church, and my grandmother was the worker there. I think we have the first picture of them somewhere on the screen. There they are. That's my grandfather, Mangan, and that's Mom Mangan, who they said was one of the greatest ladies that ever lived. She passed away when my mother was seven months pregnant with me, and she laid her hand on my mother's stomach and prayed over me, and then she said, Veselaine, take good care of him. It was this lady that was in a Brush Harbor meeting in Indiana. And the power of God began to fall. And she began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave her the utterance. And uh, she said, I've got to get a hold of myself because if I go home, his name is Walter Mangan. If I go home, he will kick me out of the house were leaders in the Puritan church, and the holy rollers were looked down upon. It wasn't the popular time when everybody was speaking with tongues, and uh, it was not that day and hour that we're living in today, and, and she said, so I got to be quiet. So she decided she was going to, she put up the horse and buggy, and she got arena put in the star. Daddy said that's what the name of the horse was, and she went, and she got a hold of the doorknob to go into the kitchen of her home. And when she did, not just the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost in fire hit her. Ah, I got the Holy Ghost tonight, Walter. I got the Holy Ghost. Oh, Walter, I got the Holy Ghost. You got what? I got the Holy Ghost. He said, you have ruined my reputation. You have ruined my name. 
You sleep in the bedroom, and I will sleep on the couch. And those two apostolic preachers that felt led to go to Plymouth, Indiana, decided the next day that they needed to go see my grandmother that had just gotten the Holy Ghost. So my grandfather was in the backfield working, and they went to my grandmother, and they said, how are you doing? She said, he's fought me. It's not going to be good. He said, yeah, we're going to talk to him. She said, no, you cannot. You go back there, you, there'll be a big fight, and he'll jump on you, and said, you just can't do that. said, no, we want to talk to him. She said, well, I don't know. We're going to talk to him. So they started walking. My grandfather saw him coming. He started printing red and getting his karate going. <laughs> they walked up and said, Mr. Mangan, we're the Pentecostal preachers from Carol. Yeah, I want the Holy Ghost too. I want it just like my wife. I want to get one in time. And God filled my grandfather with the Holy Ghost. Show that next picture. God filled my grandfather with the Holy Ghost. And they started going to Brother Rao's church in South Bend, Indiana. And if you will look there, it, I mean, it's just amazing what God began to do to them. And that's my father standing there. That's G.A. That's my father standing there with his five sisters. And that God filled that whole family with the Holy Ghost. And after my grandfather and grandmother had had that experience, they said, we want to baptize you. He said, well, there's a horse, horse trough right there. They took my grandfather and my grandmother and baptized them in a horse trough in the name of Jesus. That's a legacy. That's a legacy that's in my life. That's a legacy that has been given to me. That's a legacy that I have of those preachers coming there. And God touching their life. That's on the Mangan side. We moved to the Gibson side, which is my mother's side of the family. My pops at Gibson was a very respected man. He was very important in the community. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost and my grandmother. There they are. That's my grandfather on my mother's side. And that's Momsy Gibson. That's my father. That's my grandfather. That is my mother's father and mother. That man and woman of God was preaching brush harbors. And a man drove up one night and was sitting on the edge of a stump. And he said, hey, I'm going to come here and I'm going to whip that preacher tonight. My family's gotten in there and I don't care for anything about it. He said, but if it's real, I want it. But he said... Just, it's going to be something special. Just knock me off of this stump if it's real. About that time, bam, he was knocked off the stump. That man came through talking in tongues. My grandfather got a call of God upon his life. My grandfather and grandmother began to build churches all over East Texas. My grandfather started 13 churches in East Texas. Where the campground is in Lufkin, my grandfather built the first apostolic church in Lufkin, Texas. I think we got another picture of them. 
That's them at TOA when they moved there to live with us. You're looking at a warrior of the faith, not because he's my grandfather, but you're looking at a legacy of a man and a woman that have built something strong and built something powerful and laid something in us. That's why tonight we can't just fumble around with what we have. We can't just mess around with what we have. There's a price that's been paid for the message that's been passed to us. There's a price that has been paid. I sit down with my aunt, my grandparents. My grandmother lived to be 101. My aunt lived to be 101. My grandfather, Popsy, lived to be 99, and my mother is 98. So if you don't like me, there may be a problem with that. <laughs> Popsy would uh, plow the field. I said, ain't no one to tell me about it. She said, yeah, honey, I'll tell you all about it. She said, daddy would plow the field. Then he'd come home, wash up out in the tub. She said, then he'd put on that long white sleeve shirt. And he'd walk five miles to preach in a brush harbor. We didn't have nothing to travel by. I said, he'd walk five miles. He'd preach that night in that brush harbor, and he'd walk back, and he'd pray for people, and they'd get the Holy Ghost. Said he had revival all over East Texas. He started revival everywhere. He had revival everywhere he went. He started churches everywhere. That's a legacy that I have in my life that I don't take for granted. I said it before and I'll say it again. We're only one generation away from extinction. That's why we gotta have young people that's got their mind made up that this is the way. I wanna, I wanna take every I want to take everything that's challenging you young preachers and wives, you young people, I want to take everything out of your hand tonight. Timothy was not only young, but he was prone to sickness. He was timid in temperament. Once a scholar labeled Paul's protege, they said Timothy was an introvert. I'm bringing up the negatives of Timothy for just a moment so that you will know God can take you and God can turn you around. And God can use what you have. And God can turn you. Paul wrote to Timothy something that's ever very important. That I want you young people and the legacy behind me to get a hold of us. He wrote in 2 Timothy, I hadn't given you the spirit of fear. You're not to be afraid of nothing. But I've given you love, power, and a sound mind. Strong in the faith. I've given you power. I've given you love. And I've given you a sound mind. He has called you. And when you are called, there's nothing that can stop you. No circumstance can stop you. Your creator called you. Your pastor didn't call you. Your creator called you. 
you can communicate that gospel in his divine plan. God has sent the Holy Ghost to empower specifically young men and women for this day and hour. Jesus said when the Holy Ghost came on the believers that they would receive power from on high. Paul gave himself to such occasion. First and foremost, Timothy was at the forefront of fighting that battle. And then he also said this, and I'm closing in just a few moments, but he also said this. He said, Timothy, don't think it's going to be Sunday morning or Sunday night every time you go to church. He said, uh, Timothy, one in 12 of the second letter, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. He said, you're going to be hating the last days for my name's sake. Don't think it's just going to be lovely all the way. The apostolic Jesus name church will suffer persecution. And you say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that in America. Probably will come, but I can tell you what, those that's having revival overseas, they're suffering persecution, but they're still having revival. Many pulpits today are having a field day. Pastor Gentry will come along in a minute, but they're preaching man and Marriott instead of Christ and the cross. You can't make it just being a man with Marriott. You gotta have Christ and the cross. No man can preach Christ and him crucified without opposition. When you preach Jesus Christ and when you preach the new birth, there's going to be opposition, but you keep on preaching it. I said, Dad, I'm sitting down with my dad. I'll never forget. I was in his office. I was turned this way. He was in that rocker and I'd been down at a political function. I'd prayed a prayer for the inauguration of the governor. And my daddy said, how'd it go and all that? And I said, fine. And I said, well, dad, you know, I'm having to do some counseling this afternoon. He said, you do too much counseling. I said, what do you mean by? He said, you and your mother, y'all counsel all the time. He said, you need to look at people and tell them to get in that prayer room. He said, they need a good praying through to the Holy Ghost. I said, well, Daddy, if you don't counsel people, they may leave. We've got a lot of churches, apostolic churches in this area. He said, you look at them and said, you don't let that door hit your backside. I need your seat. He said, you don't let nothing hold you down from preaching the truth and preaching the gospel and standing firm in the things that you stand for. Preach the apostolic legacy. Preach the apostolic truth. Preach it! I'm so glad Cam's here. Cam, Cam is helping with music. He's our pastor of music in Alexandria. The best there is. He's unbelievable. Such a young man. But let me tell you, if we're not careful, we can enjoy worship more than we do repentance. And if we're not careful, praise singing will become more important than preaching the word. I love our praise singing. 
I love to dance. I love to hop. But if you don't like preaching of the word, if you don't like to hear the book preach, I don't want to hear your praise singing. And if you're a praise singer and can't go to the prayer room, I don't want to hear you sing. Don't give me your mic and looking nice and swinging. You get to the prayer room, then you walk out here and give me what does say at the word of the Lord. We'll get to where we don't demand anything of the believers in our church that follow Christ. The cross demands everything of me. Not some of me, it demands everything of me. We're getting, I prayed for Gentry. I said, Gentry, I'm, I gave him that speech that daddy gave me. I said, I'm praying for you, buddy, because you're getting a lot in this church that they show up Sunday morning, and I, I'm, I'm meddling now, but I'm going to meddle a while. And those of you watching online, you need to be meddled with too. But in POA, it's very careful for us to get people, you get me here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, and I'm going to be done by 1130. If you're not done, I don't know if I'm staying. You got one shot at me, so give me your best shot. Let me tell you, we went to prayer meeting on Tuesday night. We went to church on Wednesday night. They had choir practice on Thursday night. They had prayer meeting on Saturday night. We had Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, and Sunday night. But it built a great church. My father and mother built a great church. So my message is simple as I close. And I don't need music right now. My message is simple. Guard the truth. And the truth is not just Acts 2.38. It's prayer. It's fasting. It's a holy and godly lifestyle, in and out. Guard it. Even in that dungeon pit, Paul was saying to the followers of Christ, keep it on. Put it in your heart. The gospel Paul preached is true. Somebody would say, well, I look into that church. Listen, just because some are suffering persecution or church is going through some, don't mean they're missing God. Look at Paul. He was person. Can't you imagine what they were saying? Well, if he was preaching like Jesus, would be taking care of it. Jesus put him there so he could write half of this book to us. He wrote half of this book to us. Half the New Testament of this book to us. Same pitch you heard. If you're leaving the God and you're serving God and you're going to church, things won't happen to you. Let me tell you, some of our greatest prayer warriors at POA have gone through some of the biggest battles. And I'll tell you, the closer you get to the foot of the cross, the harder you're going to fight. You don't want the devil messing with you. Get on out there. But the closer you get, I want to be close to God. You want to get close to God? The devil's coming after you. But I want to be close to God. I got a legacy that lives there. be seated. So Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, and I'm sorry I didn't give you all these scriptures, but I'll give you time to jump with me. 2 Timothy 3, 11 through 15. Uh, Timothy, there's persecutions. 
there's afflictions, which came into me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Uh, Timothy, yea, in all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. Not might, not maybe, they shall. They shall get the Holy Ghost and fall out and faint and have prayer lines. Those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. Why? Why, Paul? Because evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But Timothy, continue down the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul is loading up Timothy. I know in who I have believed and I'm persuaded, Pito, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep me in that day. It's deposited there and it's deposited very well. When I became friends, and forgive me uh, for that, and the brethren were with me today, but when I became friends with the President Clinton and he wrote about me and Mickey, I had a very, very uh, important, well-known televangelist get a hold of me and Mickey. And he said, I would like to uh, fly in and talk to you and Mickey. And I said, well, that... Oh, man, I never thought I'd be, I'd be honored. And so he said, okay, I'll be landing at, at England. And he said, uh, if you would come out there, I would appreciate it. So I went out there with a sheet of paper because I had in my mind probably what was going on. And this very important, well-known evangelist uh, looked at me. He said, I would like for you and Mickey to host a television program, which at that time was one of the larger television, Christian television broadcasting companies in America and around the world. And uh, I said, wow, what an honor. Thank you. Thank you for that great honor. And I said, I would be honored to do that, but if I do, I just brought seven things that I would probably be mentioning or talking about occasionally when I'm on that program. (laughs) And we got through. He said, couldn't you say it some other way? I said, you know what? I could probably say it another way, but I would be in trouble with God because God called me to say it this way. He said, well, if you ever have the opportunity, and if you and Mickey ever want to, you have an open door to our television broadcast, and you can host it. I said, I'm so honored. Hugged the man's neck. We prayed for him. He had a beautiful jet. He took me on a tour of his jet. I walked off his jet. I went back down and got in my car in Little Alexandria with 40,000 people. But I'd done what I had been taught. I guarded what had been deposited in me good opportunity. Been great. This would have really gotten a lot bigger. 
would have been great. But I had Grandpa Mangan and Mom Mangan. And I had Popsy Gibson and Momsy that had deposited something in me. You won't believe this, but the last time my father preached at BOTT, uh, I would go, Daddy, I, every time I went in Dad's office, he was always in his recliner praying. And I, we have a key to each other's office, and I would just go, wouldn't knock, just open it up. And Gentry and I had the same and the same privilege, and you just walk in. And so I walked in, and uh, Dad, of course, had been in prayer, and Cause of the Times was about in a week and a half, and he was the first preacher on Wednesday night. And I said, Dad, if you don't mind, uh, don't forget you're the first preacher. And uh, he said, come here. <clears throat> and I went over there, and Dad threw his arms around me. He said, I'm, I have a message, <clears throat> and I'm asking you not to put me on a time limit. I said, yes, sir, Dad. If that's what you say, that's what we will do. Unbeknowing to me, until he preached that message, I'm telling you, he didn't tell, nobody knew it except those that helped him build that message. He preached probably one of the greatest messages that's ever been preached at Because of the Times. It was the nail in the sure place. It was the watermark. It was what Grandpa Mangan put in him. It's what he put in me. And it's what I attempted to put in Gentry. So we walked out, and there it was. And I wish you'd go watch the whole message when you have time and this meeting is over. But here's what we heard that night. There arose a generation after them that did not know the dream. Didn't know the beauty. They lost identity. In Jesus' name. Holy Ghost. Holiness. They lost it. And plunged the world into the worst darkness it's ever been in. You think I'm going to let him get ahead of me? I'm going to march if it rains, shines, fair weather, good weather. Ups or downs, I am going to march. I'm guarding a truth. He's guarding a country. Who got the truth? Let me inspect your uniform. I want to see if you got the same uniform on. He's gone. Let me expect your gospel shoes, too. You got ammunition. Anybody in that sword, they see anybody out there, they have a right to shoot them. You got a load of ammunition here. Don't let nobody toy with your brain or your mind. Don't let nobody toy with something 
that somebody died for. I'm guarding, I'm guarding the tomb. I'm guarding Peter's tomb. I'm guarding Paul's tomb. We stand together. And would you believe that? Would you get to this front as fast as you can and lift your hand and begin to praise God and ask God for the apostolic anointing, the apostolic way, for the face of God, for the anointing to fall upon you, for the faith of the saints to be delivered to you. Let it happen to you in the name of Jesus. Let it happen to you in the name of Jesus. Let there be the apostolic faith.